Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the Larkcast. My name is Tony. I'm joined by my buddy Russ. Russ, first of all, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing good. Good to see you, my friend. It's good to see you. It is. It's been it's been a week. The question I have for you is uh, over under five hot dogs uh, this past weekend. Uh, how many did you have? Uh, over. Over. Yeah. Well done, yeah. my friend. That's what I'm talking about. The older you get, man, the better they are. <laughs> I'm going to lie. When you're a kid, it's like the two cheapest things that you can eat is fried chicken and a hot dog. And it's like the older you get, they become like filet mignon. <laughs> there is nothing better than being in the golden sun of summer and having a fresh Chicago style hot dog in your hand in a cold Miller light. It's just a beautiful thing. It is. It is. I praise God. I have so much joy in my art when I have a hot dog and a cold Miller light. So much joy. Oh, dude. All right. Are we supposed to get a kick out of that as much as we do? I think like I think some people are like, oh gosh, here goes Sorcy again. He's doing a Chicago accent. I was watching some reruns of SNL man recently, and <laughs> he just it just never gets old, dude. I'm just like the 80s, early 90s, SNL just never ever gets old, man. And if you're watching this on YouTube. I basically have like a Dan Aykroyd haircut going on from Tommy Boy, and I got a huge mustache. I look like a walrus out here doing this Chicago accent. Yeah. Oh man, the soup strainer's getting long there, guy. I got. I, I got. You look like you look like if, if Dan Aykroyd and Mike Nick had a baby. That's what you look like, bro. <laughs> oh my gosh uh so for real it's welcome back for to you. the welcome back to the larkast we're uh running our mouths through the gospel of john and we're hitting record while we do it uh for your <laughs> for your listening and viewing pleasure and uh yes. we're just a couple of dudes who uh just believe god's good grace is amazing mm-hmm. and uh yeah we know there's just a lot of just uh a lot of just bad, bad news, bad theology, bad representation of Jesus running around. And so if you um, if you just kind of like burned out, just kind of done on all the unnecessary rules, regulations and uh, performance uh, messaging uh, that you've heard your whole entire life from the church and you're just giving maybe this podcast one last shot saying, man, is it really true? Could it really be? That God's yeah. this good. We're here to tell you. He is. He is. He is. He really is. 
Yeah, I love the way uh, the way I've said it recently, which I actually picked up, I think, from Jameson. Yeah, we're just a few people on a lark, helping the world admit its death. I mean, when you look at that, like through the lens of what Jesus declares, right? Stuff that we've even talked about on this podcast, you know, the the being born again. Like, man, you really find that there is a real God and he really does love us. He really has met us where we are. So you're already whole. You're already home. You're already free. Because as we'll see, as we keep going through the book of John, you've already been made one with him. And so you really are free to stop taking yourself so seriously. Mm. And just get back to what it means to live in the dance you were made for, man. And that's, that's really, really good news for a world of flawed and foolish people like me and you and every single person who ever lived, but one. <laughs> and that is something I can give my wholehearted attention to. <laughs> and without further ado, without further ado, Russell, oh, take us to the next passage in this journey. <laughs> I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to tell you now, I can't, from this point to the end of the podcast, I can't do that accent, bro, because I can't keep a straight face when I hear it. All I can see is Norm from Cheers with them glasses on, man, talking. I cannot keep a straight face. So, okay. With this said, we're picking up today in John chapter five. We're coming out of that healing of someone's son that we saw take place and a whole breakdown and diving into faith and what it is and what it's not and the beauty of what it really can be when we let it be what Jesus says it is and what it's not, which was on our last episode. Today, we jump into John chapter five. I'm just going to go ahead and read a few verses to get us started here. We're going to be dealing with another healing, just kind of like we were in the last episode, but this one's going to dive into a pretty neat, I feel like, understanding of something that I find to be a, a major, major wrestling point for people of any faith aimed mm. at any God or there is no God. Sure. By the way, everybody's living by faith in something um, in regards to the law, to this idea of what is good, what is right, what is moral, what is to be pursued and not pursued. And that's kind of where this story gets into. So chapter five begins with this. This is after this, referring again back to the healing that took place earlier in the last episode. It says there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So long story short, there's a party going on and Jesus is on his way there. It says now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, okay, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which was five i love this roofed colonnades in those lay a multitude of invalids okay blind lame and paralyzed one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years that's a long time and when jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time he said to him do you want to be healed yeah what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty interesting. No, question. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I've been out here by this pool for the last 38 years. <laughs> Making pretty good dough, if I say so myself. My brother Bob been joining me. <laughs> He's not here today. It's a 30-day birthday. But uh, <laughs> look at me, breaking my nice. rule, man. Nice. Look at me, breaking my rule. So, but on a serious note, it says that he was, he was paralyzed for 38 years, okay? And he's sitting by this pool of Bethesda. And this is actually like a pretty important point here, all right? The belief at this time in Jesus's day is that there's a healing power in this pool, right? All right? So that's just something to note. That's why, that's why it shows here that there, that there are invalids that are gathered around this. It says the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's been going on, been going on for a very long time. It would be a very normal thing for them to be gathered at this place. Mm-hmm. Some of the beliefs at that time was almost like, you know, if you swirl up this pool once a day, the first to get in it, okay, could be healed. Right. And to me, this all goes into why Jesus asked him the question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I do think there is a point where it's kind of really diving into a heart need, right? Versus just a physical need, but it's revealing something because Jesus doesn't look at this guy and say, look, man, um, I know the mantra here is, you know, first come first served. And that doesn't serve a guy like you too well, who's paralyzed because everybody who's around here, right, is jumping in immediately and they're getting in before you do, or they've got people around here that are giving them a hand to get in this pool first. Right. For some reason, in this guy's case, man, he lacks both of those. So Jesus isn't asking, you know, do you want help getting in the pool here? He says, hey, man, just out of curiosity, do you want to be healed? And I found myself looking at that going, all right, there's a there's a mindset here that's, that's very typical of the God, you know, God helps those who help themselves, as, you know, you could say would be a very typical thing in that day and time. God helps those who help themselves. People are around this pool. They're in bad shape, but they're in bad shape because of the sin in their life or the sin in their family's life. And they're going to need to overcome that. They're going to need to climb that hill and they're going to need to put themselves in positions where they can really move forward. That would be a very religious thought, but very true to that day. And sadly, even very true today. I mean, I've heard so many people within the church world say, well, you know, Russ, I mean, I know so-and-so is hurting, but the scriptures are pretty plain, man. Like, they got to move first. They got to do this, this, and this. Mm. God helps those who help themselves. And I'm always like, yeah, I know that's popular, um, but it's just completely contrary to the scriptures. The Bible doesn't say that. When I first heard the, like, God helps those who help themselves thing, in my background and in my wife's background, you know, we have a lot of Catholicism, and that sentiment was, you know, pretty, pretty prevalent there. But <clears throat> moving into, like, Protestant evangelical circles, we were all so proud that we weren't Catholic mm. and the Catholics was just like totally, you know, got it wrong, but you would hear the same sentiment. God helps those yeah. who help themselves, but it would be couched in more flowery theological language, you know, but same, same stuff. Yeah. It's, it just seems to be the religious way. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's like one of those tenets of religion. And of course, if you're new to the Larkast, one of the things that we're dispelling is the entire myth of religion. The good news of the gospel is God closed the religion shop forever mm-hmm. and united himself to humanity 
through the death and resurrection of his son. And all that is starting to be unveiled in Jesus's right ministry. And so you start to see some of these miracles, right? But they're all, if you notice, they all keep pointing to something far deeper, right? Than just him being able to identify with our struggle or maybe even bring a temporary healing to our pain. And so the story keeps going here. Jesus, again, asks him, do you want to be healed? And again, I love that because it's, it's, re it's revealing something. I feel like that's really going on at the core of this, at the nature of, 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 of what is it that you're really after here, man? Are you looking for somebody to give you a hand? Are you looking for a system that you need to adopt? Or do you, are you just trying to figure out a way to just be able to get out of this position so you can be in a further you know, place down the road in some form of society? or you really want to be healed. Mm. And the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, walk. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love it, man. The word that became flesh is dwelling among you. The very word of life is here in front of you. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to put you in the pool. I'm not here to help you in the pool. I'm not here to talk about the pool or how to build better pools. I'm not here to put a construction outfit together that's going to help start new pools in every place because that's what your need is. Instead, I'm just going to tell you, get up and walk. Yep. Later on in John chapter five, Jesus says the son gives life to whom he wills. And yeah. this is just an example of that. And I love that there's this, you, you have this religion, the Jewish religion, which had its orthodox, you know, aspects and tenets. Mm -hmm. But then there was like these, like more of this kind of like, um, you know, folky kind of like aspect, this like street level, you know, like these like stories handed down, like, yeah, dude, one time this angel came and stirred up this pool and like all these people got healed and like all this other yep. stuff. So we hang out here trying to recapture, you know, that magic. Mm. Um, dude, it's like, it's like playing the lottery, dude. It's like knocking on wood after you say like, I've never broken a bone or like some other thing like that, you know, it's yeah. just this like street level folky type thing. And Jesus isn't playing with religion at any point. Mm -mm. he's just by, he's bypassing it all together he's like oh yeah yeah cool um you don't have anybody to drop you into this pool to get a first crack at this thing um how about this how about you just grab that pallet right there and just stand up and start walking yeah because i can give life to whom i will yeah <laughs> it's so dope <laughs> yes it's like whoa is that is that really just like what went on here this is the this is the opposite of anything they've ever seen mm -hmm. it's the it's contrary to anything they've ever done. And on purpose, I feel like he, he doesn't play nice with the pieces, the furniture that's in the living room of their theology. He doesn't no. come to the temple and try to like redeem it. You know, he literally like flips tables and just like rebukes the whole system. And is like, yeah, like tear this thing down in three days and I'll rise it up. Yeah. He doesn't play nice with, you know, any of the pieces, he literally just comes and just like obliterates it, bypasses yeah, his, it all together. His PR exec should be fired. <laughs> I mean, it's like even earlier, like that, something that you noted, noted, uh, noted in our last episode, 
just about, you know, when Jesus first begins his public ministry and he goes in the synagogue and he reads the scripture from Isaiah and talks about the Messiah and says, yeah, that's fulfilled right here in your hearing. Yeah, this, this roughneck carpenter who's been with you his whole life that you've known, this son of nobody in town, and the, and the, and the, like, the, the, the town that's on the opposite side of the tracks of where anything good will ever come from, you know where I'm from? Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that passage, it's fulfilled right here in your hearing. He just, you're right, he doesn't play nice. And I think it's because he knows there is no moving of the furniture in the religion shop. It's the Titanic. Rearranging the furniture is a waste of time. Right. It is going down. Right. And so to come in here and move the furniture around in hopes that it'll somehow make it better for you is the opposite of actually loving you. And that's hard for a culture today where to love someone is to appease them at all cost. Sure. We actually not see a, yeah. right, a God who's like, no, 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 that's actually not a love for someone. That's just a love for yourself. Yep. And so out of yep. my love for you, I'm wrecking shop here. And we're going to see that in the very next verse, because what it tells us here in verse nine is this whole thing that just went down. It says this. Now that day was the Sabbath. Rut row period steal a line from russ rut row <laughs> right. it says so the jews said to the man who had been healed it is the sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed oh, oh bro excuse me it's the sabbath sir yeah like if you ever wanted to see like religion <laughs> just in all its glory you're looking at it right here this guy who's been around this pool, who's known in town, who's been paralyzed for 38 years, <laughs> is walking down the street with his bed under his arm. And the first thing they can say to him is, do you not know that it's not lawful for you to be carrying that right now? It's like just, you know, head exploding moment. It's, it's like a bunch of people like gather for a party and everyone's having fun. And like somebody comes over from the town is like, hey, uh, you guys got a permit for all of this noise over here? <laughs> right. I've seen that happen. <laughs> the guy answered them and he said, look, the man who healed me, the man who said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you're well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Some legit stuff in there, man. These guys are not happy. Not happy. Can't a, handle a, a rule has been broken. Yeah. Yeah, I have found that when, when, when it's, when your religion, when your, the, the system that you've grabbed onto in regards to belief, thought, and practice, when, uh, when, when that thing starts to move into a place where you don't feel like you can control it, 
it really reveals the very nature of why you set out to grab hold of that religion in the first place. Hmm. And that's a very unnerving thing, unless you're clinging to somebody who's no longer in the religion business and has declared, hmm. I've got you, hmm. I've got you. Yeah. Right. If you don't have that, bro, this is a very unnerving situation for them. Right. Because it's telling them that everything that they've ever done to, to get into and to stay into God's good graces, right. Was irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Right. And now the, the loss of control is really real mm. because this person for them is in the shape that he's in because of something he's done or something his family's done mm -hmm. to see him walking around is a major issue for them. Yeah. Doesn't deserve this. Mm -hmm. Right. But then also, to see him like see this whole thing take place on the Sabbath and then connected to what Jesus is doing. It's like, Oh, Jesus is taking their whole, their whole box, man, of the law and its purpose. And he's just undoing it, man, mm -hmm. right here in this very simple act. And, you know, I think we have to remind ourselves, you know, that God's creation is good. So his commandments are naturally good. And if we miss that, we're going to either ignore what God says is good, and we're just going to, you know, go do our own thing, which always inevitably leads to disharmony. It leads to harm in your life. It leads to bringing harm to others' lives. We can see that throughout the history of the world, done, and in the mirror, every one of us. Or we can embrace God's, that God's creation is good, His commandments are good. Um, but if we're not careful, we can quickly turn them into something that enslaves us. Okay. And so instead of the law about the Sabbath and other laws, okay, that we see in the scriptures from God, instead of these things becoming a means to show us what harmony looks like, they actually become something that brings disharmony. It's kind of weird when you think about it like that. The very law that was meant to point you to what was good and beautiful winds up becoming a prison for you and a prison that you try to put everyone into. Yeah. Like you're so dialed in on rules that you can't even celebrate a lame man <laughs> being healed. Like, where is the humanity in that? You know what I'm saying? In any other instance, in any other instance, you would just be excited for this person yeah. to rejoice. But because we broke this rule, this thing that we think needs to be upheld. I think the word you use humanity, man, it's probably the best way to yeah. summarize it. Yeah. It's, in your pursuit of a better humanity that you think mm -hmm. is needed and possible by the workings of this law, you wind up becoming less human. Hmm. You become less like the God who shows up and sees the guy that's hurting and on the Sabbath intentionally heals him, yeah. which is exactly what Jesus did. He could have done this on a Friday. He could have done it on a Sunday. The dude's been there 38 years. Could have done it on a, a few more hours. Right? If you think Jesus is walking around like Lottie, da, you know, oh, just came across this dude. He yeah. knows it's the Sabbath. He knows what he's yep. doing. And I feel like, you know, sometimes people can get a little confused with the Sabbath in like just the understanding as Jesus will see later on in passages and we can see throughout the New Testament. But Jesus makes it pretty plain in another instance. That the Sabbath, okay, this day, this idea of like a day of rest, mm -hmm. okay, that's what this is, uh, a commandment to keep this day holy, right? All right, a day to, to actually sit back and recline, all right, 
and who God is and what he's done. This day exists for people. Yes. People don't exist for it. Yeah. And that's what I don't think they understand. Like somehow from my experience and studying the scriptures over the years is like the Jewish culture, like all of us sort of moves beyond the foundational tenets of something that's good and beautiful. And again, they turn it into something that's enslaving. They forget that you have a God who's speaking. He works through Moses to reveal right himself to the Jewish people. He delivers them out of the slavery, right? In Egypt. Okay. And then he starts feeding them himself while they're in the desert manna from heaven, which fell, as we know, if you look back in Exodus, right? Six days out of the week, not on the seventh. There's a God who made creation and then sat back and reclined. And when it's beautiful, he rested. Yeah. And he invites us into that. There's something beautiful about that. So he's a God who fed people seven days provisions on six days of work. All right. And he seems to go on later on in Exodus is when he actually writes down the Ten Commandments and gives them to Moses for us to see them. And one of the things that you notice when you look at it is this commandment to keep the Sabbath holy comes before, like, don't murder and don't steal. You're like, wait a second. Seems like not murdering should maybe be at, like, the top of the list and other things, you know what I mean? Like, maybe further down, like, you should take a day off a week. But what God's showing it's, us here, it's definitely after don't put ketchup on your hot dogs. <laughs> That's a given. That is a given. Um, no, you just you look at this and you go, oh, well, he he establishes a relationship with these people we see in Exodus. Yes. Then he gives the law, these rules to show them what harmony with God and others looks like. Yes. He doesn't give the law to lead that will then if they keep it. Then yes. he'll deliver them and there'll be a relationship. Yes. And I think they have forgotten this. Yep. The law starts out with, I am the Lord, your God, the one who redeemed you. I'm right. your redeemer. I yeah. saved you. I rescued you. And these, these whole thing, all these commandments are designed to show you what harmony looks like. You're not going to be able to keep them. I already know this, but it's still a beautiful picture of what harmony with me and with others looks like. And he gives this. And again, they've, they've forgotten this. And now all of a sudden, instead of this day of rest, okay? In other words, like God putting a law in place to teach you to trust him. That's what this whole thing is. That's why it comes before murder. Mm. Because at the heart of everything that we always end up doing that hurts us and hurts others, it all starts with an unbelief of what God is like and a lack of trust in what he'll do. Yeah. That's why we go and do so many things that seem to go off kilter. And so you see that whole premise here. And I feel like you just have to know that in this passage is like, oh, this is showing me. He's teaching us to trust in this. And we've turned this thing into no, no, no. This isn't about learning to trust him. This is about something that you need to do so that he'll like you. So that you matter, so that you'll belong. And I like how these guys are like, oh, you can't heal this dude on the Sabbath, but you can launch a full blown like religious no. investigation yeah. on a dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can that run seems like to be a lot of work. That. that seems to be a lot of work. <laughs> uh, not as much work as like walking down the road with your pillow under your arm. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're so crazy. This is so crazy. But that's religion, that's religion makes you do crazy things, man. It does. 
it's like the modern equivalent. I feel like for us to sort of grab hold of this would be the idea of like the church service. Mm. That's that's like the modern equivalent. Speaking of crazy things, yeah, we've sort of come up with this idea of, and you see it everywhere. Like, well, man, like you know, the Sabbath, dude. That's why we go to church on Sunday, man. The Sabbath, and I'm like, yeah, that's 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 not what that is. The Sabbath is is <laughs> the seventh day, and that's Saturday, and it was a day of just relaxing and the joy and the trust of God providing. It's something that exists for you. It's not something that you exist for. And it doesn't have anything to do with the church gathering. <laughs> so, well, it, it could very well be that going to church on Sunday is very relaxing. Just don't sign up on a volunteer sheet on the comments because it's yeah. going to go from relaxing to not relaxing really quick. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get involved with everybody that's involved in putting that show on <laughs> because that definitely isn't relaxing. I did 15 years. Oh man. But I had somebody this week that was like, Russ, uh, you know, the biggest thing, man, that we just got to keep making sure we pressing, you know, press into is just this idea of, you know, the church, the church gathering, the commandment to not forsake it. Um, you know, we got to keep the Sabbath holy. And I'm just, I'm listening to all these passages and going, yeah, none of those are pointing to what you're referring to as a church gathering. And right here in this moment, I feel like I now exist to keep this thing. And I'm like, yeah, going. This, this would be the opposite. Got to keep it going. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll die unless we do something about it. Like <clears throat> the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. Any sort of gathering that you imagine. Yeah. They're good. They're meant to encourage. They're great. Yeah. They're made for yeah. you. Yeah. As a gift. Yep. We run around acting like we have to maintain all these things or like Christianity is going to die Yeah, or something. Yeah, we got to. I'm pretty sure Christianity is in good hands with, with a dude yeah. who overcame sin, Satan, and death in a single act in his resurrection. I think it's in pretty good hands. Yeah. It's, uh, and now that I'm listening to us talk about this, I'm like, this talk with Sabbath Sunday gathering might have derailed our, <laughs> derailed our conversation. How so? Well, I forgot, like in my mind, I'm like, oh crap, we're out of time. But uh, there's that whole passage, man, when he says, like, go and like, basically go and sin no more, something worse will happen. Mm. Yeah, I didn't, I, I forgot that there was a go and, and sin no more. But I think, you know, we see that in other places. And, you know, we've talked about how, um, you know, he, he uses sin in a very specific, you know, way. Oh. I mean, you can't have, you can't have Jesus who both sets an impossible standard on sinning to the, like mm -hmm. the heart and intention and thought level in Matthew five. Right. And then just shows like, dude, if you thought this was about checking boxes and keeping rules outwardly, no, I'm yeah. here to tell you, this is what brokenness. This is what sin really is. This is what a violation of the law really is. And just obliterates everyone and shuts everyone's mouth to let them know, yep. dude, you cannot do this. But yep. then look at passages like this and literally think he means, yeah, dude, just um, I did this awesome thing for you. So uh, don't ever sin again. 
Well, one, it definitely, we've already seen as we've walked through like John chapter three, other passages where Jesus is pointing to something that would be opposite of what I think we often turn that verse into. And again, as we dive into later on coming up in chapter five, you know, we're going to see where Jesus is definitely revealing something that's opposite of the initial take on this verse of like, all right, now go get it together because of what I did for you. He seems to be pointing to a guy who's like, man, you've been lame for 38 years. You've, you've, you've been in a rough spot in life, okay? To continue to live in the unbelief of me, to live in opposition to me, okay? Something even worse awaits what you've been through, man. It's to, it's to completely miss out on life itself. There's a beautiful one who made you, loves you, sees you, has met you where you are has unsettled everything around me right now. And even meeting you where you are on purpose yeah. on a day where I could have easily waited, but I want you to see what I'm really like. Mm -hmm. And I want you to see that there is life and that life is in me mm -hmm. and everything you've been longing for is here before you. Mm -hmm. But if you miss that, if you, if you refuse that, you know, then something far more dark, something far more life sucking awaits you. It awaits all of us, man. Yeah, I mean, earlier in chapter three, he literally refers to unbelief as disobeying the son. Yeah. And so we yeah. think obey is like, okay, belief is the separate thing that I do this one time in my story. I trust Jesus and it kind of like punches my ticket, right? Right. I get yeah. to be on, I got a ticket to the glory train. That's going to take me by and by, man, off into the sunset and off into, you know, heaven. And that's it. It's good. Sealed, done. I did that one decision, you know, kind of a deal. And then now the Christian life is pretty much just about like obeying biblical principles hmm. and growing in my faith, which means I'm just growing in holiness or whatever. Yep. And, um, but Jesus ref refers to unbelief as disobeying the son sin. No more. What, what would sin no more be in a context of, a, a gospel writer whose whole goal is to get you to believe, but then two, an, an, an entire ministry of someone who is coming to show that all people are included, that God loves the entire world, and mm -hmm. to do the will of God is to believe in whom the Father has sent. Yeah. Yeah. Those you, are you, have to, you have to see go and sin no more it's more nuanced than just like yeah. cool you discover this grace like don't ever sin again it's like what it's like what what yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's I, the case then jesus just contradicting himself throughout everything we've seen <laughs> and will again see very soon you know in the passage mm -hmm. uh which we we don't find he seems to have a far deeper far richer understanding of what the sabbath is than we do they think it was by doing what he did and this guy walking around with this mat, he somehow is broken, right? This, this law, which he hasn't. And now therefore exists outside of God and his grace. And Jesus is like, no, it was actually trusting me to believe in the son is to be alive in God and his grace. But the will of God is this, that we believe John six and the son in whom he sent. Mm-hmm. If you move away from this, if you move away from an understanding of who it was, 
who told you to get up and walk. If your life exists outside of trust in him, then everything you've ever longed for will be lost. And something far darker, darker will exist in its place than even what you've been through. Yeah. 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 The understanding of that is a little bit, you know, it's much closer to what you just, you just said for sure. But dude, there it is, man. Amen, man. I'm glad that Jesus came and, and decided not to be chummy with religion and leave no scrap of it intact. He challenges it at every turn, yes. Yes. at every turn. And this instance in John five is like the first glimpse of the tension you're going to see between Jesus and the Jewish authorities. It only gets thicker. It only gets more intense. Yep. And um, yeah, he's the son and he gives life to whom he wants to. And he doesn't care what dumb understanding of the law you have. Nothing is going to keep him from giving life to whom he wants to give life to. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to, like you said, man, he's going to remove every scrap of every single religious thing you're holding on to. Yeah. For your own good, for my own good. He's going to pull every single bit of it right out of, right out from underneath us. And it sucks when it happens. It honestly sucks. Like if this is already happening to the disciples in this gospel, they've already spent two days in the Samaritan village. They're already watching all this chaos and all this arguing. They're becoming acquainted with their death. They're, they're dying. Right. And it's not comfortable. And it's like, Mm -mm. that's like, we always say like the truth will piss you off before it'll set you free. Yeah, I mean, coming out of a Samaritan village, then you heal a guy, don't even show up in town to get all the praise and the glory you're supposed to get for it. And then the very next thing you do is you go and heal a dude on the Sabbath at a known place. Seems I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, yeah, just, I mean, these guys, they're, dude, their world is just being rocked yes. from everything they know. Yeah. But it's for their good, man. It's for our good. Yes. Because there's something far more beautiful that awaits and something far more dark than we can even imagine if we miss life itself yep standing before us i think that's what jesus is doing here in the words of our friend tolian jesus plus nothing equals everything and he is contending with our somethings yeah that's a great way to put it man many 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 somethings many somethings so to that <laughs> i'd say cheers, cheers. Bro. till next time